You're listening to Matt Walsh on demand. Okay, welcome to Matt Walsh on demand. I am uh, Matt Walsh, and thank you for being here. Hope you had a great. Christmas and a wonderful New Year's and uh, all that crap. All right, let's jump right into this. And, and I just want to talk about one thing today. Um, it's uh, obviously the, the topic that's been all over the news for good reason, and that's the terrorist attack in France. Now, I wrote something about it yesterday. I wrote a piece after all this happened. I like to call it a piece. I say I wrote a piece or a column. It makes it sound more, more uh, official, I guess. I wrote a post, really is what it was. It was a blog post about the attack in France on, um, on the satirical magazine. And I was inspired to write this after, um, predictably, just, just minutes or hours after this attack, the White House spokesman, Josh Ernest, goes on, I think it was CNN, and as there's this split screen with him on one side and on the other side, footage of the devastation after yet another Muslim attack on innocent civilians in some part of the world. As that's happening, Josh Ernest gets up there and makes sure he spends about 40 seconds condemning the attack, and then he transitions right into, hey, we have to remember that uh, Islam is a peaceful religion. And we're always reminded that Islam is a peaceful religion. We are particularly reminded it when, uh, when Muslims have completed another massacre against civilians. And because that happens so often, it means that we are so often reminded that this is a peaceful religion, this is a peaceful religion, this is a peaceful religion. So what I, what I tried to do when I wrote this and what I'm going to try to do today is, is um, explain that that is not exactly true. And it's important for us, even Muslims, to confront the fact that that is not true. It sounds nice. We want to say that. We want to say, well, this is a peaceful religion. No religion is any more violent than any other. We want to say that. We want to think it because it feels good. It sounds good. It's politically correct. But it isn't true. And I really don't know the solution. I don't think there is a solution to uh, terrorism or murder. I mean, there's, there's no solution until, until Christ comes again. But uh, if we're going to make any progress at all, it has to start with honesty. So we have to be honest with ourselves and honest with each other. Islam is, without a doubt, the most violent religion in the world. It's not even close, as a matter of fact. When you look at the amount of people who are willing to commit acts of violence in the name of the religion itself, okay, people in a religion who think that their religion calls them to commit acts of violence, when you look at that, you have Islam, and then in a, in a, in a far, far, far second place, you have everybody else. Now, I don't want to repeat everything that I wrote on uh, The Blaze yesterday, because you can go and, and, and you, can, you can read that yourself. I don't want to repeat everything I wrote. In fact, what, what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to respond to some of the uh, criticisms that people have left on my Facebook um, and anytime I write something, there's a, a great discussion that happens on my, uh, on my Facebook page, especially facebook.com slash Matt Walsh blog. And rather than just respond in writing to, to some of these points, I'm going to, I'll do it this way. Um, 
But before I get to those uh, criticisms, uh, there's a few points I want to make about all, about all this, just general points. So we'll start with this. I believe that Islam, I don't believe it, I know it. I know that Islam is the most violent religion in the world. However, um, I wouldn't call it necessarily the most destructive or most dangerous religion in the world. I wouldn't. Because to me, the most destructive and dangerous religion in the world, and the one that we in America should be worried about the most, is uh, progressivism. Godless progressivism is a religion unto itself. It has its own creed, its own cult, its own sacraments, among them abortion. And it is the thing that threatens more than anything else. It threatens the safety, the security, the future of of our civilization. Our civilization is being eaten alive from the inside by godless progressivism. The uh, Islamic terrorists... They're nothing compared to what progressivism is doing to this country. And there's a real death toll, too. And the death toll uh, include the most innocent and helpless among us, unborn babies. But it it goes beyond that. When you look at the destruction of the family unit, when you look at how our our faith, our uh, moral sensibilities, our moral foundation is crumbling in this country, People are lost and confused and depressed. Uh, you see that that w- w- in in our country we should be most concerned about progressivism, and that should be the religion. And it is a religion. It should be the religion that we're fighting against primarily. There isn't any risk of Sharia law in the United States. Okay, it's not going to happen. And I'll tell you why: because Sharia law and progressive law are diametrically opposed in every sense. So we can't be headed towards a progressive dystopia and Sharia law at the same time in the same country. Those two things cannot coexist. It's really sort of one or the other. And in this country, it's the progressive dystopia. In other countries, they have to worry about Sharia law. In this country, it's the progressive dystopia. We're already there, and it's just going to get worse. So I think that's an important point. It's also important to note that, that atheism in general has um, has killed uh, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people in just the 20th century alone. The worst mass killers and dictators, the murderers of the 20th century, the most prolific murderers of the 20th century were godless, godless people. Stalin, Hitler, Pol Pot, these were godless people. Whether they declared themselves atheist or not really makes no difference. They were godless. They had no God, and so they became the God. And you find one of the many pitfalls of atheism there, that um, especially when you have atheistic, godless leaders, if they do not respect the God, if they don't bow before any God, then then they become the God with the power to create and the power to destroy. We saw that happen in the 20th century, and tens of millions and millions and millions of people died because of it. So I don't want, you know, when we have this conversation um, and this debate among religions, I don't like it when the atheists come in and, and try to take the moral high ground and say, yep, yeah, you see, this is why I don't believe in religion at all. Is that, that all religion is violent. Yeah, atheism is the way, everybody, godlessness. I don't like it when they do that. I, I don't want to give them room to, to come in and do that. Because they have no room. All you have to do is look at the 20th century, 
and the greatest killers of the 20th century were not Christian, they were not Muslim, they were godless. All right, third point. One thing that we have to remember when we're talking about radical Islam is that uh, the qualifier, radical, you know, when you put radical in front of it, that, that it, 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 it doesn't really mean anything. Okay, when somebody is a radical, what they're doing is they're taking their beliefs to the furthest possible extreme. So that's why radical and fundamentalist are used interchangeably. Because when somebody is a fundamentalist, they're adhering to the basic fundamentals of their religion unwaveringly. So they don't, they don't compromise, they don't allow any other considerations in. They're, they adhere only to the fundamentals of their religion as they see it. Uh, they're radical, they're extremist, all three of those things. So when we say that, hey, uh, Islam isn't the problem, radical Islam is the problem, or when we say that the only people going out killing people are, are radical Muslims, well, what are we actually saying then about Islam itself? Because if, if, the, if the furthest possible extreme of your religious views includes suicide bombing, then that shows uh, that there are inherent flaws to the views themselves. Because if an ideology, if a religion does not have those, uh, those, those fatal flaws, then you should be able to live it to its, to it, to its most extreme extent without getting led into, um, into an area where now you're, you're a murderer and, and you're killing innocent people. So you look at who do we consider in this country the radical, fundamentalist, extremist Christians. And I know you'll try to say, well, Westboro Baptist Church. But the Westboro Baptist Church, that is not a, a, a radical version of Christianity. That's some offshoot cult that has nothing to do with Christianity. And then you'll say, well, that's what terrorists are. But no, it's very different. Because the, what, we, what we consider radical Islam, quote-unquote, that encompasses millions, and we'll get to this in a minute because there are polls that back this up, but that, inc- that encompasses millions of Muslims across the world. So it is a, it's a, it's a, uh, a common form. You can, you can dis- dispute how common, but it's a common form of, of Islam, is this radical version. The Wep- Westboro Baptist Church, that's like 20 people in one part of the world, and they don't exist anywhere else. So I'm, I'm on pretty good footing to say they don't count because they're such a small number, infinitesimal, and they exist nowhere but in that small little area and nowhere outside of it. They have made up in that one little region, they have made up, and, and, I, and I think they've done this in part for, for publicity, um, but they've made up their own rules and those rules are just completely disconnected from Christianity itself. It's different than radical Islam, which exists no matter and, and, and no matter how you try to quantify it, it exists all across the world and it, it, it encompasses millions of uh, of Muslims. No, what's the more common? What's what's the common form, you know, it, of of what we would consider a fundamentalist Christian in this country? When you think of the fundamentalist Christians that you run into on a daily basis, are they Westboro Baptist Church members? No, you've probably never in your life met a Westboro Baptist Church member. No, a fundamentalist Christian in this country is someone who um, uh, goes to church every Sunday, probably has a larger family, 
uh, depending on what denomination, maybe they go door-to-door evangelizing. Uh, They read the Bible every night. They pray every night. They talk about Jesus openly. You know, in Catholicism, what we would consider the fundamentalist Catholics are the ones who don't use birth control. When you, when you, when you think of fundamentalist uh, Christians that you see on TV, you think of, I don't know, uh, 19 kids and counting. So the predominant form of fundamentalist Christianity, most commonly, when somebody takes the, the fundamentals of, of Christianity and decides to live by them, what do you end up with? Do you end up with a mass killer? Do you end up with somebody who straps explosives to their, to their chest and, go, and goes to blow themselves up on a public uh, uh, transit vehicle? No. You, you have someone who has a large family and goes to church a lot and talks about Jesus. That's what happens when you have an extremist Christian. That's what that looks like. It's someone who takes the tenets of Christianity and lives them out to an extreme. So that's a good thing. We should all be extremists. If you're a Christian, you should be an extremist Christian. You should be a radical Christian. There's radical extremists. That's not an inherently bad word. It's a good word if you're a radical or extreme version of something that is in and of itself a good thing. So my point is that when when people are apologists for Islam, and in their attempts to apologize for it, they say, well, this isn't Islam, it's radical Islam. What they're actually doing there is they are they are criticizing their, uh, Islam itself. Because they're saying that Islam, taken to its radical extreme, becomes dangerous. And that means that there's something problematic at its root. I'm not the one saying that. that that's, what the, that's what the Islamic apologists say. Unwittingly, that's what they're saying. And that's what brings me to my final point here, my final general point. Um, that we also have to remember that... Uh, and I'm speaking as a Christian now. But, you know, are there inherent flaws in Islam itself, down to its core? Well, the answer is, of course, right? It's a false religion. It's a false religion. It's actually, um, you know, you could argue a, a sort of a Christian heresy in that it came along after Christianity, tried to incorporate Christian doctrine, and then go off in this other direction and invent this new theology. Um, but it is a false religion. Now, I know that that's, that's like the most offensive thing you can say in the world, but of course I'm going to say that I'm a Christian. So Christianity and Islam can't both be true. They're making competing claims. They cannot both be true. It's really one or the other. doesn't mean we have to kill each other. We shouldn't kill each other over it. But they can't both be true. All religions in the world can't all be true. And and that's why I was having this conversation with a friend a while ago. And I made that when we were talking about uh, Islam. And, and I said, well, uh, you know, there, there are inherent flaws in Islam. And he said, well, how can you say that? And I said, well, it's a, it's a false religion. And he said, how, well, that's, you, you don't know that. You can't say that. What do you mean? I'm a Christian. We should both be saying that. Are you actually sitting there as a Christian and saying maybe Islam is true? Because if you believe that, then you're not a Christian. By definition. So the point is, from a Christian perspective, we're talking about Islam and we're trying to get to the true nature of something that is, at its core, to some extent anyway, false. doesn't mean that there can't be wisdom in it and truth in it and beauty in it, but at its core, there is a falsehood. Because it's, it's, it strays rather dramatically from the truth that is Christianity, that is Christ. 
we have to remember that it's an it's a it's an essential point. All right, um, let's go through some of the responses. Kate on Facebook says, "I have mixed feelings about this post. Yes, the extremists are extremely violent, but ninety nine point ninety eight percent (parentheses yes, real statistics) of the Muslim culture aren't extremists." And are seriously the nicest people I've ever met. 99.98% of the Muslim culture are the nicest people. So you've met 99% of the Muslims in the world? Anyway, I've been to the Middle East for missions and I've worked with Muslims in Michigan. And I've never met a more loving group of people. We were in Jordan over Ramadan and they welcomed us into their homes and gave us food and water. Even though they couldn't have any because that's how they are. I don't think anyone has the right to say anything about them until they've talked with them. And experience their culture. Now, I don't doubt that, Kate, that you've met a lot of very kind and and loving Muslims. I don't doubt that for a second. Because I know there are millions of Muslims out there like that. Just like there are millions of Buddhists out there like that. And Jews and Christians and Hindus and everything else. Um, But, no, I'm not diminishing it. I I don't doubt it. But 99.98% of Muslims aren't extremists Kate I mean with all due respect you can defend the honor of good Muslims and there are plenty of them out there without making up numbers like that I'm not calling you a liar because I believe that maybe you did see that number somewhere uh, you know somewhere maybe on another person's Facebook page but that is uh, no matter who made it up it is an utterly fabricated number it, it means nothing. 99.98% aren't extremists. That is a number Kate pulled out of thin air. And if we're going to accomplish anything with this conversation, then we have to be honest. And and I believe that you have the, the, the right intentions in mind in defending Muslims. And that's that's fine. It's a fine thing to do. It's a good thing to do. But don't do it through dishonest numbers, especially numbers that are so self-evidently dishonest. 99.98%? If it was really 0.02% of the Muslim world that harbored extremist views, then we wouldn't have a terrorism problem at all. Because remember, it's not just we have the people that carry out the violence, and that happens all the time. But they themselves are only a percentage of the, of the overall number of people who, who support violent measures. Because most of the people that have violent thoughts or violent beliefs won't actually carry out the violence because they lack whatever. Because they just, for whatever reason, for any number of reasons, they're not actually going to do it themselves. So if you had only 0.02% that even had the thoughts to begin with, you wouldn't have all this terrorism. You wouldn't have hardly any. So we know that isn't true. Now let's look at the numbers because people have uh, done polls on this and and, um, we do have some quantifiable figures to try to, you know, come up with an, with an overall uh, impression on how many Muslims out there um, actually believe that violence against innocent people should be committed or sometimes should be committed in the name of their religion. Because that's, that's what we would consider radical extremists, right? So how many people harbor that view? When you look at the polls, you find that millions and millions of Muslims harbor that view. In fact, in fact, let's go to the most 
to the country in the world where Muslims tend to be the most moderate. That would be the United States of America. Okay, That would be our home country. The United States of America, there's no question that we have a Muslim population here of I think about 2 million or so. And they are, by and large, very moderate. Unlike if you go to Northern Africa or, or the Middle East. A poll was conducted a few years ago by the Pew Research Center. And it found that one quarter of young American Muslims believe that to some extent suicide bombings can be justified to defend Islam. Now yes, that's not a majority, but we're talking about in the United States of America, the most moderate of moderate places, you still have one quarter of young American Muslims who believe that suicide bombings can be justified. So if it's one quarter in this country... You could only imagine what happens when you go to places where fundamentalism and extremism are certainly more common to begin with. So let's look at this Pew, Pew poll that looked at, uh, at other countries as well. The question that they sent to the respondents, it was, uh, suicide bombings can be blank justified against civilian targets in order to defend Islam from its enemies. That is, it was either often, sometimes, rarely, never, don't know. So how many people, let's just go through a few countries, how many of the Muslims said that it can often or sometimes be justified to, commit, to conduct suicide bombings against civilians in the name of Islam? Among Palestinians, it was almost half, 46%. Not too surprising. In Lebanon, you had 29%. Egypt, you had 24%. Turkey, you had 18%. Jordan, you had 15%. Bangladesh, you had 47%. Malaysia, you had 18%. Indonesia, uh, a very populous Muslim country and also one that we would consider very moderate. And there the number's a lot smaller. But it's still almost 10% say that suicide bombings can be justified. 10% just in that country, when you look at the overall number of Muslims, that still means you have millions of radical Muslims in Indonesia. Uh, In uh, Tanzania, 26%. Nigeria, about 20%. Now, these are just um, people that thought that often or sometimes suicide bombings against civilians can be justified. If you factor in the uh, the respondents who also who said that rarely, now, yeah, it's rarely, but we're talking about suicide bombings of civilians killing innocent people in the name of Islam. The answer, of course, should be never. If you factor in also the people that said rarely, so now you have all the Muslims in this country, in these countries, who think that at least on occasion, um, a suicide bombing against civilians can be justified in the name of Islam, and you factor it all together and you run the numbers, you find that on average, in these Muslim countries, 42%. If that belief is not radical, I don't know what is. And I think we all know that if we conducted this poll among Jews or Christians, uh, that number would be... I don't know if you'd find any Christian who thinks that a suicide bombing against a civilian in the name of, of Christ can be justified. I don't know that you'd find a statistically significant number at all anywhere. But it certainly wouldn't be 42%. We're talking about tens of millions here. Sam says, drug cartels kill more people than Muslims. They behead more people too. The predominant faith for these cartel members is Catholicism, 
I'm not saying they're killing in the name of God. They're not, but they do buy into the faith and kill at the same time. Uh, <laughs> very clever. So we're, we're trying to pad the stats for Christian violence. So we're going we're gonna to throw drug cartels in. Yeah, well, Sam, you find me a drug cartel that believes that, uh, that God calls them to, you know, to traffic cocaine, and then maybe we can have a conversation. And of those cartel members that are Catholic, supposedly, how many of them do you think actually go to Mass on a weekly basis? How many are going to Mass and receiving the sacraments? They shouldn't be if they are receiving the sacraments, but how many are going to Mass, going to confession, reading the catechism? Yeah, people in Hispanic countries are Catholic by default. Um, less so now, but, but still mostly. But you want to talk about Catholic and name, name only, I think you have a lot of the drug cartels. But regardless, we're talking about people that kill in the name of their religion. And uh, if we're just talking about religions that encompass people who themselves commit acts of violence on occasion, if we're talking about that, then yeah, that's every religion. Nobody is claiming that religion itself uh, can be a safeguard against evil. As in, if you, if you just say, hey, I'm this religion, you'll never commit an evil act. Nobody is claiming that. Or at least no, no rational person is claiming that. I certainly am not. Sally says, even if what you're saying had any amount of truth to it, our response, uh, or your response, is to keep on perpetuating the hate. Nice interpretation of love your neighbor. Well, Sally, this is... Uh, Speaking of interpretations, you have misinterpreted what it means to love your neighbor. Because yes, we are supposed to love our neighbors, but that doesn't mean that we have to be liars. It doesn't mean that we have to um, ignore the truth just to save, just to, just to preserve people's feelings. This isn't perpetuating the hate. This is trying to perpetuate the truth. Look, this isn't, this isn't a debate about... Um, whether or not all Muslims are evil, because obviously that isn't the case. And actually, I have to tell you that um, I've always had a great deal of respect for religious people, even if they aren't my religion. Because the thing about religion, this is why religion is important. The thing about religion is that um, in, in every case that I'm aware of, uh, especially nowadays, religion, if you follow a religion... Um, you are denying yourself for the sake of uh, what you consider to be a greater good. Now, denying yourself in the sense of blowing yourself up to kill to kill people, well, that's that's obviously not a good thing. But among peaceful religious people of any religion, I don't care what they are, you know, Catholic, Baptist. Mormon, Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, Jew, whatever. Peaceful religious people of any religion who are observant, follow the, the edicts of their faith, deny themselves, uh, I respect that. I have Hindu friends who uh, don't eat meat. You know, they're vegetarians. And they're vegetarians not because they're members of PETA or because, uh, or, or anything like that. They're, they're vegetarians because that's what, that's what their religion commands of them. And so they follow their religion, even in this secular world of ours, and they deny themselves meat, and they, and they, they practice a vegetarian diet. Now, that's not my belief, and I don't believe in Hinduism. I don't think it's the one true faith, but man, do I respect that. 
especially in in our society, when people are encouraged to just follow your whims, do what feels good, don't deny yourself, don't even put off gratification. If you want to feel good, do it and do it now. It doesn't matter what it is. In, in, in that society, when people say, no, I'm going to deny myself, and it's, especially when they say I'm going to do it for religious reasons and they risk being mocked and made fun of and, and uh, for that and, and people don't understand, I, I like that. I love that. I think it's a great thing. So there's no doubt that I respect peaceful, observant Muslims, and that's not just me, you know, uh, you know, it's not just some platitude, some kumbaya thing. I've always said this. Peaceful religious people, that, they're my favorite kind of people on earth. But that doesn't change the fact that in Islam, many people look at their religion, they read the Quran, they listen to their religious leaders, many people, millions of them, and they do all of that, and they come away earnestly, sincerely believing that they must know, now go out and kill people. And in every religion you have, you have, uh, you have arguments about interpretation. Um, you certainly have that in, in Christianity. Christianity, there are, I don't know what it is, 90,000 different denominations. I, I don't even think I'm exaggerating there. It's a terrible thing, really. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that Christianity is, is, is as fractured as it is. And it's a tragedy that if you were to just grab uh, 100 Christians at random from different denominations, put them in a room together, and try to conduct even a Bible study, you wouldn't be able to do it. Because it's almost like you'd be reading 100 different books, even though it's the same one. Because everybody has their own interpretations about what things mean. And you would have that. And you wouldn't get past page one of Genesis before there's a huge argument about what does this mean? What does it signify? You know, is it literal? Is it, uh, is it not? Is it whatever? Is it historical? Is it allegorical? So on and so forth. And I know that you have the same thing um, in Judaism. You have Jews that believe very different things about what their faith commands them. I have a, I have a very good friend of mine who um, went to Israel to, stud, to, to study uh, Kabbalah. And uh, you know, he would say that the Kabbalah is, is the true form of Judaism. And that all the other uh, Jews who do not study the Kabbalah are, are you know, practicing some... some you know, non-Jewish abomination of, of the true faith. And then you have Orthodox Jews, you know, still wear the yarmulke and still uh, observe the Sabbath. And then you have the more secular Reformed Jews in this country who say, well, we don't really have to do that anymore. And then you have the Jews that say, well, it's not so much a religion as it is an ethnicity, and we're not, you know, we don't have to necessarily follow the, the, the Torah. I mean, so you have, you have that in, in Judaism. And I imagine that, I, I don't know if this is, this is the case, but I would imagine that if you get uh, a bunch of Hindus into a room and you read the Bhagavad Gita you, or, you, or you discuss um, the, the tenets of that faith, there's going to be disagreements there as well. So you're going to have that no matter what the religion is. But the difference is that among the Jews and the, and the, the Buddhists and the Hindus and the, and the Christians who are having their discussions about interpretation, um, there isn't going to be a loud voice or any voice in any of those conversations who say, hey, I think that, that our faith actually calls us to go out and shoot cartoonists in the face. You're not going to have that. In that room with 100 Christians arguing, it's going to get very heated and it's going to get very angry probably and it's a terrible thing. But in the end, 
no one, you're not going to have a bunch of people who stand up and say, okay, I think we should go blow ourselves up on a bus now. We all agree that that's not the interpretation. We might not agree about whether or not seven days is seven days or seven million years or whatever, but we do agree, at the very least, that Christ is the Son of Man, that He came here to forgive our sins, and, and He came here for the salvation of mankind, and uh, we do agree that, that killing innocent people is wrong. And even if some of, us, some of us, after that conversation, go out and actually kill innocent people, We aren't going to do it in the name of our religion. We're going to do it knowing that we are departing from our religion when we're doing it. And all of us in that conversation, we're all going to leave that room and commit sins and do bad things because we're all flawed. But when we commit those sins and do those bad things, we do it departing from our religion. It's with Islam that you have that, you bring those 100 Muslims from a hundred different sects of Islam, you put them in a room together, and they'll have that argument as well. And there's no doubt going to be very many people in that room who believe, who, who are arguing that Islam is peaceful and that we, we should never hurt others and we should be tolerant of other faiths. Uh, and that if we're offended by a cartoon, we should, you know, uh, respectfully protest. But of course, we should never lash out in violence. You're going to have that voice, but you will also have a voice. A, a, a much louder voice than we like to think saying that no our religion calls us to go and kill you don't have that in other religions you do have it in Islam then the question is why as a Christian I know part of the answer part of the answer is uh, well it's not the true faith and so there are confusions it's inherently confused to a certain extent But that's not the full answer. The full answer, I don't know. I can't give you the answer, but all I can do is say this is the situation. And it's important for us to confront that situation. And if you're a Muslim, you have to confront it. And I'm not saying that you should, as a Muslim, uh, confront the situation and say, well, I'm not a Muslim anymore. I'm not saying that. But you should say this is a huge problem that in some ways goes to the very core of this faith. Why is that? What are we going to do about it? We have to address it. We have to uh, uh, stand here and stare it in the face and decide what our next step is going to be. So that's the point, and I know that we've, we, uh, we haven't uh, really come to any conclusions here or accomplished anything, but that's life usually, isn't it? All right, that's it for me. Um, remember, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Matt Walsh blog, or at Matt Walsh blog on Twitter, and I'll talk to you next week. Akruche, salus. Godspeed.